Peace be upon you. God willing, today I want to start with a, a backstory before jumping into the uh, subject matter. So in uh, 2012, Hurricane Sandy hits North Carolina, and this severely impacts the uh, supply chain of all the stores uh, to the point that they were running out of supplies. One of the items that the people desperately needed was ice, and some people saw this as a business opportunity. One group in particular came from New Jersey. They rented a U-Haul, filled it with ice, and drove all the way down the coast to North Carolina. And when they got there, uh, a line quickly formed of people who wanted to buy the ice. And in order to meet the uh, demand, um, they started increasing the price of the ice because they don't want you know small group of people buying up all the ice and want to make sure that it was uh, uh, able to reach as many people as they could and also make uh, more of a profit. So despite that, people waited uh, and... Um, uh, the cops eventually showed up, and the cops told the uh, the people, they said, hey, look, in North Carolina, we have these anti-gouging laws, and you guys are charging too much for ice because we have a market price of what we believe the acceptable price for ice is. And the irony is, despite the fact that, you know, this is a, a hurricane, people really needed the product, the cops said, we have to shut you down. And um, here's where the paradox kicks in. The people who were waiting in line for that ice, they started clapping. Now, why would they do that? They needed the ice. They're willing to pay for the ice. They were waiting in line, and they were happier to see these people uh, get shut down than they were to uh, receive the ice that they wanted. And I'm going to come back to this uh, topic, but I wanted to, to kind of set the foundation there. The topic I want to talk, talk about today is uh, usury. And usury is something that's severely misunderstood uh, among uh, most Muslims. And um, they equate usury and interest as one and the same. Except usury is excessive interest. And um, it's something that's specifically prohibited in the Quran. While regular interest is uh, acceptable, as long as no one's being victimized and um, uh, it's mutually acceptable, uh, charging interest on a loan, there is no problems. And take this consideration. If I have $1,000, I can choose to either uh, loan that to you um, and expect to get some sort of return, or I can put it in the stock market and get a return there. And um, either way, I have that uh, choice. Now, you know, giving a loan isn't a form of uh, a charity. It can be, but if you're doing it in the sense of business, as long as you can afford the loan amount, uh, you believe that you can make more money with the money I'm giving you than what I'm charging you for interest, and um, I'm not taking advantage of your situation, then it's mutually acceptable and we can move forward. Usury, on the other hand, is where you take advantage of someone's situation and you charge them an interest rate that if they had a choice, they wouldn't uh, choose to, that they're kind of forced into the situation. In chapter 2, verse 275, the title reads, Usury Prohibited. It says, those who charge usury are in the same position as those controlled by the devil's influence. This is because they claim that usury is the same as commerce. However, God permits commerce and prohibits usury. So here God is distinguishing between commerce and usury. Commerce, again, if, I'm, if we have a mutually acceptable transaction where I'm going to charge you interest on a certain amount that you believe is fair, it's accessible, uh, and you're going to make more money with the money I'm giving you than what you're paying in interest, then no harm, no foul. There is no one being victimized. Now, if on the other hand, I'm charging you something that's excessive, I'm taking advantage of your situation, that becomes usury, that's prohibited. In uh, 3130, it says, Oh, you believe you shall not take usury compounded over and over. Observe God that you may succeed. If you see people, you know, right now I think in the United States, uh, the credit card debt is over a trillion dollars. And most of these loans are at about, you know, 20, 30% uh, interest rates. And they just get compounded over and over and over to the point that people 
aren't even going to be able to keep up with the interest rate, yet alone be able to pay the principal. And because of this, they're going to be forever uh, exploited. Now, they can go file for bankruptcy. You know, Thank God in the U.S. that's an option. But some countries, that's not an option. And then you have other things like student loans, where even if you file for bankruptcy, uh, that's never going to be wiped away. God tells us in a 429, says, Oh, you believe, do not consume each other's properties illicitly. Only mutually acceptable transactions are permitted. So if I'm taking advantage of someone's situation, then uh, by definition, I'm uh, exploiting them, and that's sinful. Um, I want to look at the footnotes from these two verses in regards to usury and what the messenger wrote. So in the footnote of 2275, it says, It is an established economic principle that excessive interest on loans can utterly destroy a whole country. During the last few years, we have witnessed the devastation of econ economies of many nations where excessive interest is charged. Normal interest, less than 20%, where no one is victimized and everyone is satisfied, is not usury. So I wanted to emphasize this aspect that, you know, uh, the messenger is saying less than 20%, and this is the criteria of when it's not usury, where it's lawful. Less than 20%, no one is victimized, and everyone is satisfied, therefore it's not usury. In the footnote of 3130, it says, Interest on bank deposits, interest charged on loans are lawful if they are not excessive. 5 to 15 percent. Banks invest uh, in their uh, banks invest and their profits are passed on to their depositors. Since all parties are happy and no one is victimized, it is perfectly lawful to take interest from the bank. And um, you know you have some uh, Muslims who say, yeah, bank interest is uh, prohibited, and this isn't true. You think about it, and this is an oversimplification. But I put my money in the bank. The bank takes that money, loans it out, gets a return for it, and they give me a portion of that return because they're using my money. And again, as long as no one is victimized, everyone is satisfied, then it's and it's not excessive uh, beyond 20%, then it's uh, uh, lawful. And in this footnote, it's interesting that the messenger puts 5 to 15% and a cap of 20%. And someone asks, is this relevant to the uh, messenger's time and place of when he wrote this? Or is this applicable uh, indefinitely? And my take is when the messenger gives these percentages, he's not talking about the nominal interest rate. This is typically what you end up seeing when you sign a loan uh, or you get into some transaction. What he's looking at is the real interest rate. In order to find the real interest rate, what you do is you take the nominal interest rate and you take in consideration what the inflation rate of that currency is. And um, one, uh, the question is then, what's inflation, right? Right now in the United States, we have about a 2% inflation, meaning that if uh, uh, I have $100 and um, uh, a year goes by, my purchasing power of that $100 is going to drop by 2%, meaning that what I uh, uh, could buy for $100, I will now have to spend $102 to purchase. And um, this is just, again, it's a simplification, but it goes to show that, look, you have to take in consideration inflation rates. And I'll give you an example. If I'm in a country that has a high interest uh, inflation rate, let's say 10%, and I charge a 15% loan. Now, 15% uh, might seem uh, on the high side, but when you take in consideration that the inflation rate is 10%, realistically, that loan, that interest rate on the loan is only 5%. You know, similarly, if I live in a society that has a high inflation of, say, 40%, and I charge a 20% loan, which is on the upper bounds, um, uh, is on the, uh, the limit, I'm actually losing 20% when I give that loan because the inflation rate is 40%, meaning that if I just took that money, I threw it in a bank, I'd be getting a 40% return. So you have to take in consideration the inflation rate. Now, what's really interesting about how interest and inflation that are all uh, associated is seen in the following verses. 
So in uh, 2275, so right after it reads uh, usury prohibited, it says, those who believe and lead a righteous life and observe the contact person a lot and give the obligatory charities to caught, they receive their recompense from their Lord. They have nothing to fear, nor will they grieve. O you who believe, you shall observe God and refrain from all kinds of usury if you are believers. If you do not, then expect a war from God and his messenger. But if you repent, you may keep your capitals without inflicting injustice or incurring injustice. So God is telling us that if we don't refrain from all kinds of usury, that we can expect a war from God and his messenger. Now, this seems pretty serious. And the reason is, it's because when you're using a currency from a nation, their uh, monetary supply is being typically run by a Federal Reserve, right? And they're able to increase or decrease the, uh, the money in circulation. And this is able to create uh, inflation and, in some cases, deflation based on how much money they're adding to the uh, money supply. And what you're doing in essence, so let's say, for instance, I have uh, U.S. dollars. These are notes. It's pretty much an IOU from the uh, Federal Reserve that this is worth $1. But if the Federal Reserve decides that, hey, look, we're going to increase the money supply by 20%, then what they've effectively done is they've said that loan that they gave me of $1, that they added a 20% interest rate to it. Because all of a sudden, what cost me used to cost me a dollar to purchase now is going to cost me a dollar twenty. And when this gets out of hand, we, you run into the realm of hyperinflation. And just to give you an example, so in the 1980s and 90s, Brazil uh, was uh, having an inflation rate of 80% a month, meaning that if you what costs you $100 to buy at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year would cost you $100,000 to purchase that same product, meaning your purchasing power has been reduced by literally 100,000%. So all of a sudden, you wanted to buy that uh, you know bread that costs $5, that's going to cost you uh, $50,000. Right. Uh, or sorry, five thousand dollars for that uh, that bread. And what you've done in essence is you victimize every single person, every single citizen in that nation. And we have even more extreme cases than Brazil and Zimbabwe uh, at the peak of uh, I believe it was uh, two thousand eight. Yeah, so November two thousand eight, they had a monthly inflation rate of seventy nine point six billion percent. They were printing money in a hundred trillion dollar denomination. Uh, to the point that if you wanted to buy a loaf of bread, you had to go there with a wheelbarrow full of cash. The cash became so absolutely worthless that people were using it for kindling for fire or they were using it for uh, uh, wallpaper uh, to cover their walls because it had more value as a kindling than it did as actual currency. And when you're doing this, you're victimizing an entire group of people because this is no longer mutually acceptable. You know, in a nation, if you have a slight inflation rate, you can make the justification that, look, by able to do this, the government's able to spend on the people and provide them with goods and services. And this is mutually beneficial for everyone. And as long as no one's upset and we feel like we're getting the value from our government, then it becomes uh, acceptable. But the second that you end up becoming excessive, you're not only excessive, no one is satisfied, you're uh, victimizing people. It's no longer mutually acceptable, this becomes a form of usury. And it's interesting how interest and inflation and all this is associated together. And um, what this all comes down to, I think, is in uh, Appendix 36, uh, which is titled, What Price a Great Nation? And item number three of uh, Appendix 36 reads, Prosperity for all the people. God's economic system is based on constant circulation of wealth, no usury, and productive investment. Non-productive economies such as gambling, lottery, high-interest loans are not permitted. 
And when you're charging these high interest loans or you have hyperinflation, what you're doing is you're creating a non-productive economy. What a non-productive economy is, is that when a transaction takes place and nothing is produced, nothing of value is produced. And when someone is taking advantage of someone else's situation by charging them excessive interest rates that they're not able to basically pay off without, you know, unforetold hardship, uh, in essence, you're, you've created a, a, a non-productive economy. And, um, God gives us conditions in the Quran when we're, uh, we're the ones who are instituting a loan uh, to someone that we're not supposed to uh, transgress. In uh, 2280, it says, If the debtor is unable to pay, wait for a better time. If you give up the loan as a charity, it would be better for you if you only knew. Beware of the day when you return to God and every soul is paid for everything that I've done without the least injustice. In uh, 545, it says, If one forfeits what is due to him as a charity, it will atone for his sins. Those who do not rule in accordance with God's revelations are the unjust. So God is telling us that, look, if a debtor is unable to pay, we have two options. One is we can wait for a better time. Two is we can give up a loan or even a part of the loan as a form of a charity. Because the reality is like, look, when you're giving a loan, you're going in on uh, the uh, the investment with that individual. If things go south, where all of a sudden, you know, they, they take the money to buy the house, they think the house appreciation and what they're going to be able to make from income is going to uh, be greater than the amount of the uh, interest on the loan, they'll fall through. But if tomorrow they lose their job or they have a medical emergency uh, and you don't accommodate those changes, then you could be victimizing someone. And God is telling us that if we do this, you know, we would be uh, transgressing, that we have to either A, wait for a better time or forgive the loan or part of the loan at, the, uh, at a minimum. And we see this in the sense that God is saying, if you do this, it's a form of charity. And I struggled with this years back. Their uh, microfinancing was all the, uh, the the rage, and I was a big advocate. And you had institutions like Kiva. Uh, Muhammad Yunus started the the Grameen Bank of Bangladesh, and I believe he got a Nobel Prize for it. And it seemed like such an awesome idea of how to pull people out of poverty. And the idea behind microfinancing was this: you had people in uh, uh, very severe poverty who they believed that needed access to capital. That if they had access to capital, they could basically pull themselves out of the uh, the poverty. Now this worked for some, but for many, it ended up becoming very devastating. What happened is they took the loan and then all of a sudden they thought they were going to be able to use this loan for certain uh, uh, things to increase their wealth and it totally didn't happen and they lost uh, their money. Now all of a sudden they had these uh, loan sharks who were coming after them demanding to get their money plus interest back and many of these people couldn't pay them. They ended up committing suicide and um, the reality is like you look at some people's situation and you say, you think, if I give them the loan, is this in their best interest or am I better off just giving them charity? And the reality is when you're dealing with people who are making a dollar a day or two dollars a day, to give them a loan seems very uh, uh, victimizing. You're much better off just giving these people charity, uh, allowing them to, God willing, get out of that situation. Now, there are some people, yeah, they have a, a solid business opportunity. If they just had a couple more bucks, they could fulfill that uh, the thing. But the reality is if that loan goes south, what happens then? And um, one of the, uh, the the ways to think deeper about this in uh, a podcast, uh, Econ Talk, uh, economist professor from Duke, Mike Munger, uh, came up with a concept called U-Voluntary Exchange. And the way he describes a U-Voluntary Exchange is that in any transaction, if one side of the transaction has a much larger uh, proportion uh, of a loss, if the transaction doesn't go through, then that exchange becomes U-Voluntary. 
and he gives the example of like, uh, and these are some historical examples, but you know, if I'm on a boat and I lose my anchor and, um, I meet another ship in the open water who has an, uh, uh excess anchor, what is the right price for them to, uh, to provide me that anchor, uh, that isn't going to be exploiting to my situation? Because the reality is if I take their anchor and they lose their one anchor, then that's the entire life of the crew could be lost. So there is a value, but at the same time, me without an anchor is certain death. So how do you transact in these kind of scenarios? And um, here's another uh, thought experiment. Okay, let's imagine you're uh, stuck in the desert and you're absolutely about to die of thirst. If you don't have a drink of water in the very near future, you are done. And here I come rolling around, along with a cart full of uh, fresh bottled water. And uh, you see me and you're just like so thankful and you run up and you say, oh, thank God, you know, I thought I was going to die. Can I please have a bottle of water? And I say, sure, I'll give you a bottle of water. It's just going to cost you $10 million. And you think, what? I don't have $10 million for a bottle of water. This is insane. And after you curse me every uh, name of the book, I explain to you, I say, look, I've been out in the desert for years and I've just been waiting for one person to come strolling along who desperately needs this water so I can justify my time out here. Now, the reality is if I charge you $10 million and you had no other choice, you would take the bottle of water and you'd be forever indebted to me. And uh, the other side is what is the fair amount for me to charge you for that bottle of water to justify my years of being out there waiting for you uh, to provide you this nourishment when you're at most need? And the reality is if we're not willing to be flexible, not willing to kind of uh, figure out what is the acceptable rate that someone can charge to be able to get the product that they desperately need, then you can become uh, exploiting the other person's circumstances. And this has to do with the original uh, story. These people who were uh, uh, the uh, victims of uh, Hurricane Sandy, they desperately needed ice. And the reality is here comes individuals who are willing to provide them with ice. But what they believed was the equitable price for ice was off, right? The people who were bringing the ice thought they should charge more. The people who were purchasing thought they should charge less. And the reality is it's probably somewhere in the middle where they said, look, we rented a U-Haul. We took our time out of the day. We came all the way down here, and uh, we need to be able to justify enough of uh, our um, uh, cost to be able to make this, uh, the, this trip to have this transaction. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Now, if you shut them out completely, then the people are worse off, right? The people who need the ice and then the people who are providing the ice are worse off. And the reality is there's some transactions that if the uh, the, the person who has the upper hand isn't willing to cede uh, uh, ground on, then it's better that that transaction never takes place. Because the reality is if you're exploiting someone's situation, um, you're never going to be able to be uh, in God's kingdom. And... Um, I want to end with one verse. It's in 3039. It says, The usury that is practiced to increase some people's wealth does not gain anything at God. But if you give to charity seeking God's pleasure, these are the ones who receive their reward manifold. So every time we're in the, uh, we're transacting anything, be it a loan, uh, negotiation, we have to make sure we're not exploiting the situation of someone else. That if the circumstances change, that we're able to adapt to them. That every single transaction we take place in is mutually acceptable and no one is victimized. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com or on Twitter at TalkQuran. And until next time, peace and God bless.